Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dads on the Rocks podcast. This is episode 12 of the show. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me today. Uh, my guest today is a buddy of mine that we've only really seen each other. I, I, I thought it was more than this, but apparently it's only been one time for spring break many, many moons ago when we were in our 20s uh, partying. But nowadays we're older, wiser, and dads. Uh, my guest today, Mr. Jonathan Sunday. Jonathan, say hello to everybody. Hello. Jonathan, as always, as you know, you've heard the show, we begin with the toast. So for today, what are you drinking? Uh, today, I'm drinking a local bourbon uh, by my favorite DC distillery, uh, McClintock Distilling, and it's their matchstick bourbon. Nice. Yeah, drink local. Definitely drink local. I'm very, very into that. So good for you. Today, um, in a nod to you, uh, I changed it up a little bit. So I'm drinking gin. I know that is your choice of your drink of choice, rather. Yes. Um, so I am drinking a Negroni, which if you don't know, it's uh, dry, uh, sweet vermouth, Campari, and gin. So it's pretty easy. It's an ounce of each um, for me. I mean, that was the easiest way that I could do it. And I didn't even measure it. So I just kind of eyed it. So I really don't know how this is going to go because it's I'm not a gin guy. But either way, to you, Jonathan, to you all out there, cheers. Cheers. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself, anything that, you're, uh, that will give them a little bit of insight on, on who you are? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like I haven't really introduced myself since being a parent. You know, uh, I have a 26-month-old named Holden, and uh, they're very consuming. I used to say I was a rock climber, given the opportunity to introduce myself. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, so here we are. So uh, my name is Jonathan Sunday. I'm 38 years old, uh, first-time parent. My wife is Rachel, and we've been married seven years. Uh, things are good. I like being a dad. I really thought it would be... Uh, kind of boring the first couple of years, but it's amazing. In the very beginning, it's very interesting. I mean, in the very, very beginning, it's tough because it's sleepless nights and bottle feeds and things like that. Yes. But as you get older, after they pass that and they begin to smile and crawl and do, do things and show their personality, I feel like it's a lot more fun. Uh, so I think you're getting into the best part for, at least for me from two to two and a half was a lot of fun from two and a half to three was significantly better. And then after that, it's just all downhill because it's just talking back and questions and, and watch this, which you're going to hear a whole lot in the next year, I, I imagine. Yeah, I, I feel like once they started non-poop smiling, that was the turning point, you know, yeah. uh, where, where, you know, someone appreciated what you were doing. Uh, but, you know, the tiny little dictators, but they're cute. It's a, it's a con. They know it. Again, if he's anything like my daughter, and all kids are different, sure. But if he's anything like Allie, he's going to start conning you and testing your limits to see what he can get away with. And it's really difficult to try and let him have his fun and also, you know, nip stuff in the bud because you don't want to get him have him get away with too much. Oh, no, I'm I'm 100 percent down for uh you know politely manipulative uh kid you know we we'd watch bob's burgers for years and i was a hundred percent like if i had to choose a kid to have it would be louise so you know i'm 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 on board you know i'll take my i'll take my back mouth uh kid it's probably something i deserve and uh the questions is definitely in our future because that was my style lots and lots of questions so uh, Jonathan and I, we know each other, like I said, from spring break, um, probably close to a decade ago. Uh, one of our mutual friends, 
uh, had a, a house down in Key West. Jonathan lives. Did you live up in D.C. Up, up at that point or no? Yeah, I've been in the D.C. metro area for 16 years now. So oh, okay. moved, moved down from New Jersey pretty much just after college. So gotcha. OK, so you flew down with uh, your girlfriend at the time. Uh, who was friends with our mutual friend. And that's how we got to hang out. We basically spent a week in the Keys intoxicated in our uh, early to mid twenties prior to, to marriage, prior to kids. And you reminded me of a story of something that happened down there, which I did not remember at all. That was, <laughs> that was really fun for me to try and relive, but I, I don't remember. Actually, I told my wife about it and she's like, you did that. And as I was telling her, it was kind of coming back to me. I don't remember exactly where we were, but it was, it was uh, certainly blurry. <laughs> <laughs> but a which, lot of fun which, nonetheless. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> defined the trip. Uh, fun but blurry. Sure. <laughs> yeah, jet skis, uh, opening coconuts with machetes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the trip where I, uh, where we went swimming in the canal uh, late at night? Uh, late at night for us now. I don't, I don't know what your sleep schedule is, but late at night for us now is like eight thirty. But this is late at night for us in our mid twenties, so this was probably around eleven mid or midnight, where everybody was in the lake, and I just came and jumped in the pool and jumped in the lake, and I lost my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Like, like I said, you know, fun but but blurry. Fun but blurry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Very indicative of the mid twenties. And yeah, you know, I, I you know uh, my wife's a vampire. She works night shift in the mm-hmm. pediatric ICU. Um, and I was always down for that. You know, when we were dating, it was great to have someone to text at two a.m. Yeah. But uh, no, my my two kids have ruined me. You know, Holden and and my three year old Corgi. Uh, he was given. To, you know, when we when we procured him, he was uh, on a seven a.m. P schedule. And you just, you know, kind of have to respect that. So I feel like I've abandoned all hope of, of sleeping in. So actually I was, it was you that I messaged, um, a couple of days ago and you said, it was, uh, it's, it's a Saturday, but, and what the hell are you doing up, you know, before 7am? And I'm like, well, yeah. the, the nine month old decides to get up at, you know, quarter to six every day because he's a big giant asshole. <laughs> but, uh, I, I feel like in a couple of years, I might be getting back to, being able to sleep in on a Saturday and then waking up with the kids and making breakfast, but it's a couple of years away, but I'm it's, that's kind of my uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, we've been so lucky with the sleep schedule stuff. Holden, you know, once he was like sleeping, sleeping, he basically is in bed from 8 PM until 9 AM. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And you know, we're finally, um, we're finally starting to consider sending him to daycare. We've been very fortunate to have my mom watching him Nice. and we want to send him out for socializing and fun and learning and all that stuff. And the thing that I keep thinking about is we're going to have to like, I'm going to have to get up at seven something on weekends now, because, you know, one thing I've learned is keeping their schedules somewhat consistent is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. You know, we weren't militant about it, but like we try to get him to bed at the same time, wake him up at the same time, nap at the same time. And and it really helps things run smoother. We we had no idea what we were doing the first time around. But now with the second one, after at least a little bit of experience, even though, granted, we don't remember a hell of a lot of what we did with the first one. But as we look at it, like our Facebook memories and things like that, we were feeding uh, Allie like an entire bottle of milk on the couch watching TV and she'd fall asleep on the couch with us. Like we did are not doing any of that. Like we have a very strict schedule with Andrew, our, our son, uh, like at seven 50 it's 
put Allie on the couch to start watching a movie, go make his bottle, go feed him in his room in a very dark room, put him in bed and leave. It's it's very, very different from the first time around. You learn a lot the first time, but you you apply that knowledge on the second time around, I guess. See, I, I'm worried that the second kid's going to be the test because Holden's been, you know, so easy. He's this bait kid where like everything just kind of works. And like, you know, it's, it's hard not to give yourself credit, but I'm sure it's just luck and genetics. <laughs> so, so, you know, when, when a second kid comes along the way, it's going to be very interesting. You know, the thing I'm most concerned about with that, so maybe I'll hit you up for this, is like, you know, the, the first piece of advice I ever heard when I was about to be a dad was sleep when the kid sleeps. Right. Yep. And, you know, you fight it for the first month or whatever, and then you give in and you're like, you're right. You know, they, they're taking a nap in the middle of the day. You're taking a nap in the middle of the day. And that's the only way you catch up. But once you got that second kid, how do you how do you survive? Well, does does Holden take naps at all? Just one hour and a half nap. OK, um, well, our daughter stopped napping completely at the age of two. <gasps> maybe. Yeah, Whoa. maybe by like two actually right around Holden's age between two and two and a half. She fought it for a little bit and then we completely did away with it. And then it was gone ever since she has not napped since not once. Um, so it's kind of difficult. So she goes from whenever she wakes up, which is traditionally seven 30, she goes all day long and there's just no stopping. And, and she's at the point now where she, you have to run her, have her swimming, have her in the heat, <laughs> do everything so that she does crash. Because if not, if she's just inside all day, she has all that pent up energy she is not going to bed on time. So um, we never slept when the baby slept, or at least I, I don't remember for Steph, but for me, I never slept when the baby slept uh, during the day. That was my time to play video games or, sure. or do dishes or whatever. So I never, I never did that. We just found a schedule to where I would do the very late feeding and then Steph would do the two at night feedings and I'd get up really early. Uh, but that was still early on and that was just so long ago. And it, it's, it's funny when you're in it, it's, it lasts forever and it's, it's grueling, but before you know it, it's gone and you're, and you don't get that again, unless you have another child. Yeah, no, it, it uh, parenting reminds me a lot of, um, <laughs> mosquitoes in the Amazon. Uh, I went on a, yeah. Okay. Hear me out. Uh, I went on, okay. a, I, I, I went on a trip with a friend, uh, to Peru and we kind of bus hopped around the country for a while. And one of the last things we did in on the trip was we went and stayed at a lodge, uh, in the Amazon in the rainforest. Jeez. And, uh, it was amazing. But anyway, uh, but the mosquitoes in the rainforest are militant. Like we, we literally <laughs> had, you know, the most fancy bug spray you can have. And we wore like pants and a raincoat when it's not raining and it's 95 degrees because that was the only thing they wouldn't bite through. And you'd be kayaking, you know, through some trees up a river that's kind of flooded in inland and you could just watch them hovering over you and landing and testing to see if you missed a square inch of bug spray on your skin and <sighs> and it was and it, right and then you know you're like kayaking or you're hiking or you're sleeping and you're just like you're just covered in bug bites and then like good lord and then two months later it didn't matter it was amazing it was one of the greatest <laughs> things i've ever done and in the moment it's kind of like Ugh. but like for the rest of your life, you've got that story about kayaking up the Amazon and it's so <laughs> worth it. And, you know, parenting reminds me a lot of that where it's like in the moment. Yeah. Sometimes you're just deep breaths, you know, find your calm. Uh, but it all washes away. It's great. 
uh, by the way, two things that I take away from that story. Uh, the first, um, I mean, fuck you for living <laughs> this, this awesome uh. life for going to be like, go to the Amazon. <laughs> like I've, I, I'm not the travel type, but that, that does sound so, so cool. Like an experience that, that you'll never get to relive again. The second thing is that kind of does remind me of Jurassic Park where the Raptors are testing the cage to see if there's any weak points. Like <laughs> so now from now on I'm going to I'm going to relate every single mosquito I see that I try and slap away uh to a raptor and and count it as a victory. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I was I was very fortunate to have friends that were more adventurous, maybe not more adventurous, but, um, a bit more prepared than I was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Machu Picchu trip came out of, um, a new year's Eve party with some friends. And my one friend would just like, he wants to live his life. And he was like, yeah, I've saved up a bunch of money. I'm going to quit my job and travel for a while, but I don't know where to go. And I'm like, oh man, I've always wanted to go to Machu Picchu since we talked about it in like, uh, gifted and talented in fourth grade. I'm like, that was the coolest thing in the world. A city that we didn't know existed for 400 years, you know, yeah. like everything's so connected and, and feels known. And like just the idea that they discovered an entire city in the mountains after it had been lost for 400 years always blew my mind. And, you know, just from that uh, uh, a month later, you know, think nothing of it. Everyone's always talking about great things they're going to go do together. And my friend texts me. He's like, all right, so I've got a basic itinerary. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're actually going somewhere. <laughs> sure. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. And it was an adventure. And I, I really do admire that, that you can, you can have that aspiration to go. Like I'm, I'm not a travel person. I, I get so nervous and afraid of being in a new place and not knowing where my things are at kind of, it, it makes me very nervous, nervous. I'm not a travel guy, but every time I've gone on a trip, when Stephanie has made me go on a trip, because that's where all of my vacationing comes from, I have such a great time, but no, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous at, at the uh, amount of traveling you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I was, I was very fortunate to, uh, to do a lot of that in my thirties, early thirties. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to start that up again. It was like, you know, you travel and then you see these like families biking across the countryside with their kids. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing in the world. You know, yeah. like I, I yearn to have the kid who's been to the thing they're talking about in social studies class. Yes. Um, I've seen kids on like on vacation, like par uh, parents with kids on vacation. And it's one thing to be like at a beach resort or something like that. But but to be like in a another country or something entirely different, that's another thing. But the, the kids are traditionally older. Like it's you can't it's very difficult to go on this big, wild like adventure with you know, an 18 month old, it's, it's yeah. not very, yeah, it's not viable. Or even the, you know, even the two-year-old, we, uh, we took a flight to go see some friends in Florida and just like keeping them in a seat for two and a half hours is, is hard. Yeah. And, uh, no, I have no idea what traveling would be like with him. Cause it's like, all right, well, what did we do? Well, we went to bars. Oh, can't do that. Uh, yeah. We walked around a lot of museums with delicate stuff. Can't do that. Uh, hiked a bunch of mountains. Well, I'm not in any shape to carry him. <laughs> uh, although that is- I can't carry myself. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, man. I have let myself go. But uh, that was one of my favorite stories from like a trip. We were 
hiking some mountains in Poland, kind of like a casual hike, nothing crazy as it mm-hmm. sounds. Uh, but there was a guy carrying his like three-year-old daughter up this mountain and we're huffing it and, you know, just trying to make it up the mountain and he's carrying his three-year-old daughter and they you know we got to a break point a little flat spot and we sit down and we're all breathing heavy and he's breathing heavy and this three-year-old daughter looks up at him and she sits there and then she starts breathing heavy because obviously it was for her it's like oh that's the cutest thing <laughs> but good good for him and good for for dad that can that can do that like parents that still want to do those kinds of adventures and they were like, well, I have, you know, my three-year-old with me. I still like going on hikes. I'm going to man up and throw her on my shoulders. She's obviously not going to be, be able to do this trek. I'm going to throw her on my shoulders, make it tougher for me, make it more fun, make another story for, you know, another day. So good for them. That's awesome. I'm not going to do that shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to aim so high, but I'm sure that your kids would love to go spend some time by the water in the, you know everglades whatever you got out near you yeah we we just went on vacation to uh i mentioned beach house we went to go to captiva which is on the west coast of florida it's like a resort and everything and my daughter loved playing in the sand and going to see uh, seashells unfortunately one night on the beach she stepped on a fish hook that some (gasps) fisherman hood yeah and it went like all the way in that showed a lot about me as uh parent when i freaked the hell out about it <laughs> I, I mean you know so i'm like oh we got to go find a, uh, a hospital for tetanus and everything and my wife is a nurse we had a firefighter paramedic um actually another nurse as well and i'm like well, let's just see how it goes so because my first instinct was go stick her foot in the salt water of the beach and at least just to clean it out and then we did you know peroxide and band-aid and she was fine she didn't need to send a shot or anything she was fine but me, my baby girl got hurt and it was, it was my nightmare, especially with a fish hook. Like I always grew up, like I'm going to get a fish hook on my eye and this is going to be just the worst day ever. So it was like my worst nightmare for my baby girl. And just, I, I was, I did not have a cool head that day when I usually do. I did not have a cool, cool head that day. It's uh it's hard to see them in pain, you know, like, uh, I feel like being a parent makes you more empathetic, which is probably good for the world. Yeah, true. But uh, yeah, like having that concern for them, like, you know, you do you you do it to yourself and you freak out a little bit, but like worrying about what they're experiencing really amplifies stuff. And I've kind of noticed myself like I've grown out of my empathy for her because she milks it <laughs> so, so much, like just a, like an hour and a half ago, she like was playing and she backed up against the wall and like hit her elbow and she's like, she didn't know if she should break down or not. And I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> I'm like, well, you yeah. shouldn't be playing so recklessly. Like I've, I've just gone from like, oh, my baby girl. And then uh, you're, you're milking it. Oh, they're, they're magnets for, for ways to get a rise out of us. When, when, oh, COVID, when COVID started, Holden started fake coughing. Cause he knew it instantly got attention. I'm like, what is you little monster? <laughs> Just goes and sneezes on in the grocery store. Sorry. Oh man. But anyway, this is a lot of fun, but I, I feel like we got to press on um, Jonathan. The first thing that we like to talk about uh, aside from all the stuff that we've been talking about already uh, is something about parenting, something that you would like to talk about uh, for our guests to listen to regarding parenting. So I'll let you take it. Go ahead. Well, I, I guess my favorite thing uh, from being a parent 
that we like actively chose to do instead of just happened upon uh, was baby sign language. Okay. And I, I don't know if you did that, but uh, Holden's MO kind of was always to be just casual enough with stuff with advancement that you would start to worry, but not ever long enough that you would, that it would be a problem. Right. And so he was kind of casual with his talking. But from, I don't know, maybe six months, we, we were doing a handful of like little baby signs with him. And when he hit that phase where he wasn't really talking, uh, it was amazing to be able to still communicate with him. You know, he knew how to say uh, more or milk or water uh, or food. And just having that little bit of communication with a, a nonverbal kid was uh, invaluable. I mean, it was, right. it was definitely one of the best things we actively chose to do. Did you guys, just because of the signs that you, that you mentioned, um, what route did you guys take to, to try and teach him, uh, baby sign language? Oh, just repetition. When, when we were doing stuff, we would say the word and make the sign, you know, okay. so you would, you would give him the bottle and, and you would make the gesture or, right. um, stuff like that. And, and he, he, he eventually picked up on it. Of course, his first word, uh, or most used word that I can recall was more, uh, and, okay. and definitely used for food. So yeah, he's a little food monster. We it was suggested to us by by a family member, Don, that we put on this video. It's called Signing Time, and it's it's got a catchy song at the beginning, and then throughout the the video, it shows the different signs. It's very educational, and because of the ones that you mentioned, of food, water, more, and milk. Uh, those were all ones that as soon as you said it, I was doing the sign for it because I knew from the video. I mean, we watched it a couple of years ago and we watched it for, for a long time, but my daughter, uh, she just asked to put it on the other day for, for the baby so that we could teach Aww. him, which is weird. But <laughs> I think it's also because she wanted to like, listen to the very, very catchy song. It's kind of like baby shark for signing, but we got to, um, to watch it again, uh, recently and I'm like, I remember all of these, like me as a, as a parent, like, like water, uh, water, I can't remember, but, but milk more, uh, everything. I, I remember these from a couple of years ago and she does too. I was trying to like reteach her, but she was catching on very quickly. My son had, had already like crawled away and was like chewing on the dog toys. He didn't <laughs> care, but, but my daughter and I were, were revisiting it. So. Yeah, well, you know, as, as they said with Blue's Clues, children learn through repetition. So yeah, your son will pick up on it. Um, yeah, I'm sure. And then, you know, Holden Holden was chill with his talking for so long that he was picking up more advanced stuff like um, please and thank you. Right. Um, <laughs> well, one of my favorite, like, proud parent moments was when he came up with his own sign for hug so he could ask to hug the dog. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, if, that, if that isn't the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it melts my daddy heart. Like, oh, oh I goodness. loved it. Um, yeah. And then for a while, we tried to teach him I love you, which is kind of like um, like the horns from like when metal, but facing yeah, towards but with, you. But with and, the. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My mom taught me that a long time ago. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but but he drops it like an East Side gang sign. Like he never had the dexterity. Yeah. Like he never had the dexterity. <laughs> so it just got a, a laugh out of everyone when he told them they loved him. We heartlessly laughed back. 
So, <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. My my mom and my sister uh, years ago, they they took like a signing class. I think it was probably like for something for my sister for high school or whatever. But they would uh, come back and and like show me like what they learned. And I don't remember a lot of it, but the I love you sign. It was whenever I was doing I was on stage doing something for school or, or what have you. Or if I was like away from them and I would like see my parents in the crowd, my mom would always throw up the I love you, um, which I never thought of like my mom throwing up like devil horns like, yeah, get it. <laughs> I, it was it was always like that was always something for like my mom, my mom and I like that one specifically like that always stayed with me. So so I was open with the the baby sign language for my daughter and now with my son um, after holding goes to sleep. What is it that you do to relax aside from Stargate SG-1? Oh, no. See, that's not interesting at all because I'm a passive relaxer and I envy the active relaxers. I envy your podcast and my friends that play video games. But for the most part, it's either reading the occasional parenting book uh, Mm -hmm. or uh, just, you know, mindlessly watching TV. So that's uh, fortunately one of the bonuses or one of the few um, silver linings of the pandemic was that for the first time probably since middle school I have a I have a consistent bedtime and it is one of the greatest things in the world because I actually wake up before my alarm goes off sometimes for work do you find that it's the structure is what is very nice for you it's a consistency yeah. Just the consistency. It's, it's, okay. it's absolutely. So I used to, before the pandemic, I had to go to the office and now I work hundred percent from home. I'm incredibly spoiled. Right. Uh, but when I had to go to the office, I only had to go to the office one day a week. So what I would do is I would wake up at 6am that day to get to the office on time. And then the next day I'd wake up at 8am. And then for the next few days, I'd wake up at like 10am because I'd stay up until like, you know, 3am with Rachel. And then I'd have to like, go back to 8 a.m. and then back to 6 a.m. And so every couple of days I'm waking up two hours earlier or two hours later. And eventually what ended up happening is I would just get less sleep each time. Right. Right. So it's like you go to the sleep, the bed the same time, but you get like five hours one night, six hours the next night, eight hours the next night, and you're just never rested. And like, so going to bed every night around 11 a.m. and waking up every day between 7 and 8 a.m., even on weekends when I don't have to, has been shocking in how good it feels. Do you wake up significantly more rested and it's the day is easier for you? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, it, I, would, I would recommend anyone try it for a month. Like at the sacrifice of evening happiness, Mm -hmm. Just try and pick that window where you can go to sleep. Like you can go to bed nine hours before you want to wake up so that after you are done faffing around on your phone, you actually get about eight hours of sleep. Right. And after about probably two to three weeks, you'll be shocked at how good it feels in the morning. The kids being on schedule has got us on a schedule inadvertently. And we, we just get tired uh, depending on if there's something on TV or depending on how, how difficult the kids or our day at work was like, we want to go to bed at the latest, absolute latest nine 30. Holy like, crap. We don't, yeah. We don't stay up late at all anymore. You're real. Adults. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. We were talking that we used to go to the bar, the, the bar that we met at and we would go to all the time. 
we had friends in the service industry, so they wouldn't get off till 11 o'clock at night. So we wouldn't go to the bar until 10. And, you know, our friends got there 11, 1130. We, you know, hang out and drink and, and play rock band at the bar. You know, that was our nice. thing. And we wouldn't get home until one, two, three o'clock in the morning, occasionally, then wake up, you know, whenever a lot of us, you know, didn't have to go to work until 10, 11 o'clock or have, have class until noon or whatever. And it was fine. But nowadays we're going to sleep an out some like the other day we went to bed at 8 45 and it was awesome like we were just <laughs> exhausted we're like like i'm tired like yeah me too let's go to bed all right but you know what that is though that's wisdom yeah right because like <laughs> wisdom and exhaustion <laughs> no but, but but hear me out like right because like when you're young it's all one more lap around the coffee table you know like your mm-hmm. five-year-old it's it's <laughs> you know in college i used to just be up till three or four a.m for no reason yeah. Like, I remember one time I'm like up doing something at like 2 a.m. And my roommate is literally sitting next, you know, in, on the other side of the room with his head on his, uh, his chin on his hand, staring at his computer screen. Nothing's on the screen. It's just the, the background of his desktop. And he just <laughs> looks at it and he's like there for like a minute. And he's like, why am I still awake? I'm like, I have no idea, man. But that's what you do. <laughs> You're just awake for no reason all the time because there's so much interesting stuff. And then, you know, now you're like, you should be proud of that. Like having the discipline to get sleep is incredibly difficult. And I think it's something that everyone is terrible at. I know I was terrible, terrible at it until the pandemic. You know, like we got the Corgi three years ago and I generally woke up to like walk him. So he was getting me up at seven or 8 a.m. for his bowels and then hold in. You know, he was eight or nine a.m. has been kind of his wake up time. So now I'm just like there on the weekends, too. And so like I've hit a point where I've accepted that I no longer will be sleeping until 10 a.m. ever. At least not. No, at least not for now, because you know that eventually he is going to sleep later. He's going to eventually go to sleep later and he's going to wake up later. Eventually he's going to go to school. That's, that's going to change, you know, eventually. But I mean, I have, I have friends that have teenagers and they, they sleep till noon. Like, so on, on the weekends, it's, I don't have any friends that are like, that have kids that are in the 10 to 12, 12 to 15 range. So I imagine that Cause at least I, I remember when I was that age, I was like, ah, oh, I'll wake up at, you know, whenever. And then it was like nine o'clock and my mom's waking me up like, Hey, pancakes are ready. Are you going to come have breakfast with us? Kind of thing. <laughs> so eventually like you get to, to sleep in. <laughs> that still sounds very far away, but okay. So I had this idea recently and I, I I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Okay. Okay. Hit me. So, you know, eventually your kid gets an allowance, you, you share in the finances to teach them about money and make them feel part of the house, blah, 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 whatever. Sure. Okay. I was thinking when my kid is in middle school and high school, because he'll probably have some sort of fitness tracker, Apple watch, whatever, that his sleep schedule is part of his allowance. So if he hits his sleep goals for the week, that contributes to his allowance. Well, there's a lot that goes into it because eventually, uh, especially around puberty, I know uh, their their sleeping schedules. Our okay, our as humans, mm-hmm. our sleeping schedules are going to shift, and they're going through a very difficult time when their bodies are growing and things like that, and they need more sleep. That's why they sleep in so so heavily. So kids are going to 
stay up late, wake up late. Like, rem- do you remember in high school? I mean, at least I know I was and all my friends were being in high school and just being so tired because it started so early. Like school started at 730. Oh, yeah. If I would have gone Those to bed at a reasonable up. time and not midnight, I would have been fine. But that's not who I was. Like, I didn't want to stay up. You know, I, I didn't want to stay up till nine o'clock at night and go to bed at a reasonable time. Like, I wanted to stay up and watch Monday Night Raw or you know what have you and i wanted to stay up late right so i was always tired the next day and that's why you incentivize it with money (laughs) that's true (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean you 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 do bring up a a very good point about um their physiology right right and what's their like uh what internal clock you know that's that's a good point who knows maybe by the time our kids are in high school they'll actually be listening to the evidence-based learnings and shift high school to a later time maybe because the people that are making the rules at that time are going to be a younger crowd more of our crowd they're going to know a little bit more and at the same time kids are being very aware of what is going on with like studies and things like that yeah you know the the internet has definitely accelerated the ability for us to communicate and share knowledge and so it's Mm -hmm. kind of really democratized uh learnings I guess, as it were. So as long as people are willing to listen, like it's pretty easy to find that there has been a study on this or that or, or something like that. And, I, de- and I, I definitely agree with you in terms of the, um, the generation of, of selfish hardship is, is passing the torch mm-hmm. uh, on some level. And we're going to start to see people making decisions who, you know, came out of college to the Great Recession or came out of college to the the great pandemic and uh will have a, a better sense of um you know looking out for their fellow person and, and compa- a sense of compassion i think i hope so and and i i really genuinely hope that that's the case well as a as a ray of hope you know i read this book called leaders eat last and one of the theories he posited, and I don't know if it was his thing or if he'd read it somewhere else, but he basically said that, you know, the people that came out of um, World War One and the the uh, oh, that you know the the Dust Bowl and all that in the twenties, mm-hmm. um, you know, they 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 had learned that you need your neighbors, you know, and and they had developed a sense of compassion, and that's why you know, in the 50s and, and whatnot, you had all these decisions that were like, you know, companies need to do what's right for their employees and pensions and, and helping and, and all that stuff. And then things became ruled by the people that came out of post-World War II, you know, where mm-hmm. we had nothing but opulence and opportunity and, and uh, there was no shortage of anything because we were the only ones untouched by you know the, the great world war and so people became selfish because they had they weren't forced to uh, look for help or or care about others and they could get away with being selfish without consequence because there was so much plenty you know and now right. we're back on the other side of that where like I said you know like I was very lucky to graduate when I did, because if I had graduated school four years later, you know, I don't know if I'd own a home up here because I graduated and was able to get like established just before uh, the, the crash in 2008 and where it became impossible to get a government job because, you know, there were a thousand people applying for every opening and, you know, like 
and then uh, I looked up recently and my college costs literally double now what oh. it cost when I graduated. Wow. But my starting salary at my current job, because I can look up the, the history versus now, uh, mm -hmm. has only gone up, I think, 15 or 20 percent. Wow. So like, you know, imagine having That's like wild. twice the debt, but only 15 percent more income like my life would just be on a completely different track. So the people coming yeah. out now and, you know, 10 years ago really have a stronger sense of um, compassion and the need to help each other. And, you know, you can see it with like uh, the Affordable Care Act pushing the need for insurance to stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26, you know, like, yeah. and so I, I think it's going to come back around. And unfortunately it's due to, hardship and and no longer infinite resources but i, I we'll, we'll be in a better place you know it, yeah. it it ups and downs and and maybe depending on your you know belief system it's been a rough few years but i, I really think the world is getting better perpetually i mean look at your kid you're you're raising yeah. great kids right <laughs> you know like uh like you're, you're the kind of dad who wears a dress because his daughter asks him to and and any day of the week exactly I do that sometimes for fun. I don't care. And that is amazing parenting. <laughs> and uh, I kind of wish I had a daughter so I could be that dad too. I put on my wife's wedding dress in the pandemic. Just like <laughs> it wasn't even like 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 late in the pandemic. It was like the third day. <laughs> it's like I'm tired of being in the house. Let me put your wedding dress on. My wife's like, wait, why? Oh, that's funny. So, Jonathan, something that I introduced uh, a couple shows ago is tell me a story. So my friend and I are trying to start uh, a geek blog because, you know, we're just passionate about being geeky. And the reality is, is that like, there are so many things that anyone would find cool, you know, even if they don't identify as a geek. And I know it's gotten a lot easier over the last like 15 years, but you know, 10 years ago, sure. plenty of people wouldn't have called themselves geek, uh, geeks, and it was slightly taboo or whatever, but everyone's going to think it's cool that some 16 year old kid in a cul-de-sac made a flamethrower. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, being a geek is just about passion. So we were really passionate about it. We really wanted to just share everyone's passion and, you know, the internet democratizes and all that jazz. So we, we came up with a brand, we were geekology. Uh, because at the time it was super cool to, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, furrow your brows. Uh, we, no, we came I, with I, no, I feel like I, yeah. I feel like I've heard of that. Oh, plot twist spoilers. Uh, so we, we, we come up with a brand geekology because at the time it was very cool to pick a domain name that wasn't.com, but like, right. it was like a, another country's name that became part of your word. So we were right. E E K O L O G dot I E. Right. Dot, yes. dot IE instead of dot com. Okay, cool. Right. So this is our brand. We apply for press passes. We go to this thing. I am attempting to be the very awkward host. And my friend who is a producer is attempting to be the very awkward cameraman. And I wear the same outfit for three days at PAX because we're going to splice together stuff in whatever order and, and, and whatnot. And uh so yeah, so I have a taste for for interviewing and how hard it is and how terrible I was at it. Uh, although I will never forget the guy I met with a twenty thousand dollar Transformers tattoo, because that was by far the coolest person I talked to. And he, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part was how casual he was about it because he was. I was like, oh man, this is amazing because it was like a left sleeve, like his left sleeve, and then like to the center of his chest, 
uh, including his peck, was all Decepticons. And then the other side, like peck, chest, down the sleeve, was all, you know, Autobots, Autobots. right? And I was like, oh, man, how much was that? And he's like, I don't know. Like, the, they quoted me 20,000 and and then they just stopped caring. Uh, so, so it was just untold hours to get this amazing tattoo as he's just taking his shirt off in the middle of a convention floor to show me. It was, it was so funny and weird and surreal and, and such a great moment. Oh, but anyway, the, the little anecdote I wanted to share is I have slept with Will Wheaton. What? Okay, act, actually, that's that's technically inaccurate. Will, what, Will Wheaton has slept with me. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, I really wanted to catch the Dungeon Master uh, session. And so they had this thing where they had some, because Dungeons and Dragons was just starting to have kind of a bit of a resurgence. Right. And they had a... Uh, a panel where they had some famous Wizards of the Coast DMs talking stuff and just, you know, giving tips and BSing and whatever. And, you know, these are just very entertaining people to listen to. But line around the corner. Well, we wave our press passes because it's a new thing and, and they didn't know what to do with press. And so they just let me into the back of the room, even though the entire room was full. And so I'm sitting on a beanbag chair in the back of this room, listening to this panel. And a few minutes after it starts, Will Wheaton walks in and uh, there's also no place for him to sit because it's full. And so he asks and shares a beanbag chair with me and falls asleep during the uh, presentation. So, so Will Wheaton slept with me. It's kind of my claim to fame. You know, I don't like to brag about it, but. You should absolutely (laughs) brag about that. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, Yeah. That is a great story. Yeah. Uh, but the footage from the, oh, right. So uh, the, the spoiler you brought up was halfway through the convention, we found out that Geekology was actually an existing website that had, <laughs> that had existed with a different spelling. <laughs> so we're interviewing people and introducing ourselves as Geekology. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of you. And we're like, snicker. No, you haven't. What are you lying about? <laughs> like we did the bare minimum to get a press pass. And oh, whoops. So, so yeah, so that was fun. All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you very much, Jonathan, uh, as my guest tonight. I cannot believe you slept with Will Wheaton or Will Wheaton slept, Will with, Wheaton me. slept with you. Yeah, yeah. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I like to do with all my guests, do you have any last words for our listeners? You know, I just want to say that, like, going into being a parent and choosing to be a parent, I was nervous about what it was going to be like to, to sacrifice your, your free will to, to take care of someone else. And I got to say that uh, it's been nothing but a pleasure. You know, it's incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly satisfying. It's important that you choose to go down the path, but uh, I love it. I absolutely love my 26-month-old son, and it just keeps getting better. So It's tough, and it's wonderful, and it's a privilege being a dad. Good night, everybody. Good night, Daddy. Good night, baby.